0: Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back to Food for Thought, everyone. We appreciate you
1: listening. Choice is a precious commodity, a powerful influencer, and too often a scarcity. The right to choose is a foundational principle of our republic and one that is realized by too few in our history as well as our current society. Choice is intrinsically linked to a powerful concept such as liberty, equality, hope, and opportunity. The second paragraph of our own Declaration of Independence states emphatically that as a nation, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Here's a question for you. How can you separate choice from these unalienable rights given to every American? The answer is, you cannot, except when it comes to charity. Those of us in the public and private sectors who have chosen to serve those in need should be mindful that in the course of our service and decision-making, we are intentional to protect people of the very rights and responsibilities that both the Creator and the Declaration of Independence affords them. Too often times in our history, we have given people food and said, quote, here's your box, take it or leave it. Or, if you're really hungry, they'll eat it. Or, here's an unlabeled dented can that I can't use, so I'll give it to the pantry. I shake my head at the hardness of the head and the heart that makes these sayings both normal and acceptable. Our task as leaders in and out of government is to create great choices, especially for people who seemingly have little or no choice. Here is how we can do that. Offer more and better options that lead to smarter choices. My mother was great at this. She asked if I would prefer beans or corn with my meal. Smart choices, not beans or Snickers. I was free free to choose because my mom presented me with two great choices. Our current thinking is way too rigid. Too much in or out, up or down, black or white, yes or no, true or false. Our thinking should be smarter and more integrative as we develop principles that guide this work. In fact, I think if we were half as smart as we think we are, we could create great choices for people we serve and not confound them with so many opportunities to make bad choices. Here today in the studio is Elisa Craig from Hurley Medical Center who is helping create great choices for her clients. She's going to tell us about it next on Food for Thought.
0: Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit FBCMish.org. Welcome back to Food for Thought, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight in the studio with my
1: co-host, Jerry Brisson, the president and CEO of Gleaners Community Food Bank and the chair of the Food Bank Council Board of Directors.
2: Lovely day to be in the studio with
1: you, doctor. It's great to, great to be with you, Jerry, as always. And as promised, Elisa Craig is in the studio with us. And thanks for braving the uh, traffic down from Flint today. And you are the administrator for the Wellness and Population Health Management Program at Hurley Medical Center.
3: Yeah, thanks, Phil. I'm really happy to be here.
1: Great. It's great to have you. We met a few months ago, and uh, you were doing some pretty cool things in Flint with Hurley Medical Center that are meeting specific needs And I also know that Jerry is involved in some of those things as he leads gleaners through some health initiatives as well. So I really wanted to get you two together in the studio and see what happens.
3: Good. Yeah, it's interesting because you you mentioned my title, which is kind of a mouthful, right? Administrator of Wellness and Population Health Management. So what does that even mean? Well, the population health management piece really came about um, and... It was something new to Hurley. Um, We had been going about our business for about 110 years of taking Mm -hmm. care of patients, but we've always been very community-minded. And so the role was developed um, where I can really do some initiatives with our teams on addressing social determinants of health. So it's one of those things that Flint and Genesee County, we unfortunately are often in the very low rankings for many health issues, health outcomes, disparities. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking a lot about, okay, we know these, these stats, but what can we actually do about it? So um, it, it's been about a year and a half where I've been working really closely with our leadership team at Hurley and our board to say, okay, what can we really do to make a difference in the community and really prioritize some of those social determinants that we can make an impact on?
2: So uh, we know because we're here on food for thought that one of the social determinants of health (laughs) is food security. Tell us a few of the others though, just so people can be reminded what, when we say social determinants of health, we're talking about things that happen in your life that Mm -hmm. impact your health, that aren't necessarily in and of itself a health condition. Like I broke my arm.
3: Right. right? Exactly. So So, tell
2: us a few more of those just so you have. So
3: the, you know, in, in summary, um, Poverty itself is the biggest social determinant, but when you look at, across the board, housing, um, job training, education, um, all these environmental things that, again, just like you said, if someone breaks their arm, someone has a chronic condition, they're in the hospital, we want them to heal appropriately, but we send them back out of the hospital, maybe not even a home to go to. Let alone food in the pantry, let alone healthy food in the pantry. Um, And then they often get into a vicious cycle where they may be transient, going from home to home, between jobs. So um, it's really all of those environmental factors um, that we want them to heal. But how can they if they don't um, have some of those supports? And it costs a little bit of money (sighs) when, you know, people can't really heal right. Absolutely. And so
2: it's it's it's. In all of our interest to understand this whole idea that even if a health system does the best possible job to make you well, if the environment you're in isn't helping that system along... It costs you time, it costs you money It costs you time off work, it costs You know, taxpayer money for You know, further treatment that you might Not have needed if the environment was Better, so
3: it does affect us all
2: These social determinants
3: of health Absolutely. And we we talked about um, When we were first proposing the things we were Going to do, um, it really Hit me hard when you talk about the trade-offs Especially Mm. for our, our most vulnerable Populations, our children, our older Adults, that a family Might have to choose a A child might be diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. We know how expensive it can be to manage a condition like that. They might have to choose on any given month between paying for insulin, other medications, their consumer's bill food, let alone healthy food. So those trade-offs and the data that's out there is absolutely kind of frightening that our patients, you know, we send them home with all these prescriptions for medications and they really have to make these really difficult life-changing choices on any given month. Toxic
2: stress. We talk about the toxic stress of hunger and that's one of them when you can't pay all your bills and you've got to say okay i have a child that's diabetic and needs food and i can't provide both that Absolutely. is stressful
1: yeah and i don't you know it's really hard to imagine the toll that takes on a person right um not alone the child right the entire family parent mm-hmm. who is trying to mm-hmm. sort through these issues um and so you know i'm 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 while you guys are chatting here, I'm looking through some of the articles that have been published right. um, about the Hurley Food Pharmacy, and so when we come back on the other side of this break, I want us to talk a little bit about what that looks like sure. on day-to-day operations, who's coming, and how are they finding out about it, and and where they can find out about it. So let's let's great start to the show here. Great. Uh, I knew getting you two together was going to be <laughs> fun and dangerous at the same time. <laughs> I'm Dr. Phil Knight. This is Food for Thought. We'll be back here on WJR in just a moment.
0: It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Welcome back. Thanks for
1: listening, everyone. Jerry Brisson in the studio with Dr. Phil Knight here on Food for Thought and Elisa Craig, who is the uh, administrator. And your title is... Mm-hmm. enormous here, is Wellness and Population Health Management for Hurley Medical Center. Mm-hmm. And um, so the food pharmacy at, that is contained, I've been there, I've visited, I've seen it, yes. I love it. How did it start?
3: Sure. Sure. So um, I had been working on pulling together different research and we actually started talking to someone who's leading the way in this and that's ProMedica Health System in Toledo and when you look at Toledo even though it's uh, quite a bit bigger than Flint um, you could really say we match in so many ways that we don't want to match as far as our health status and those kinds of things so we talked with them about the process they were doing we visited you know took our field trip down there and And I put a proposal together for my senior leadership. And um, I'm really blessed um, with Hurley Medical Center being a public hospital, a safety net hospital. We've been around for 110 years. We have leadership and board support that really gets that. We can't just do things in the um, security of our walls. We have to reach outside the walls. And so we really pride ourselves in being, you know, a, a true community partner. So my proposal went through unbelievably quickly they they were on board oh. immediately and and i'm not going to give myself out a pat on the back and say oh it's just because you know Elisa did some great proposal it was because they truly understood immediately the rationale and what flint had recently been going through with our water crisis sure. um the lot of things had come to light that you know The water crisis in itself but what was happening before leading up to that with our city and the issues our population was already going through so once it was approved things started moving quite quickly Mm -hmm. my hospital was gracious with capital support as far as providing space luckily we found fabulous space right in our diabetes center, which I happen to have oversight as well of. And there was some open space because another service had left, and it was perfect. We didn't have to do any fancy renovations or anything. And then we had that initial financial support, sought out some additional grants, which we have a wonderful, generous grant through the Community Foundation of Greater Flint to help us with staffing and the food. We started talking uh, with the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan because we knew that they would be our, our partner in this and really provide us most of our food. And it seemed like, you know, just like that, after about a year of me researching and pulling everything together, we were opening our doors last August. And what we thought was best is to make sure that our patients A, we were assessing if they were food insecure Mm -hmm. and nationally there's the two questions there's a much larger you know 14 question USDA questionnaire but we wanted to you know make it as easy as possible both on the patients and the practitioners that were asking the questions So asking the two food insecurity questions, making sure they were walking away with an actual referral, treat it like a quote unquote prescription. We couldn't call it a prescription, you know, just, you know, legally kind of things, you know, from the pharmacy world, but having that referral be just like where they have to go fill the prescription for a medication that they could actually use this referral and come to this physical space. We're really proud about the food pharmacy because of a couple things. One is... It's um, staffed by a dietitian. We were able to hire an amazing person named Suzanne Gunserich who could not have worked out any better. She has several years of experience in both food service and dietetics. And when someone comes, they do not need to feel intimidated. They don't need to feel like they're going to be asked all kinds of additional questions that sometimes they may feel with other services that, that they might be eligible for. If they are positive screen. they walk in, we welcome them with open arms and just have some basic intake questions like any chronic conditions they or their household members mm-hmm. might have, um, any allergies, and we provide healthy food. It's two days worth, twice a month, for three months is the initial referral. And it's not just for the patient, it's for their entire household. Our largest household so far has been 17 people. As you all know, we have multi-generations living under the same roof. Right. And They... Come through with either Suzanne or one of our volunteers and they quote-unquote shop but everything's free and we work with them on choices we have really great messaging throughout very simple messages if they've never tried yes those nudges and Mm -hmm. if they've never you know learned how to cook beans you know so um, they walk away with actual meals you know things to sustain them and then I always say probably more importantly than just the food for those couple days is we make sure and um, inquire about different resources that, either they're eligible for or they didn't know they were eligible for, like Some federal assistance. Yep. yep. Like mm-hmm. SNAP. Local services that they we have um, of course like a lot of people in Michigan we have the Double Up Food Bucks where we have several our farmer's market, several grocery stores mm-hmm. that have Double Up Food Bucks. We cannot believe how many of our patients had no idea about Double Up Food Bucks. So mm-hmm. getting them enrolled and triaged into additional resources and we're really focusing on the food but during the course of the conversation we might do a quick phone call to a case manager one of our social workers to help them get triaged into other resources sure. if they're having issues even medications we'll we'll um, get them situated with one of our pharmacists and make sure they're on the right plan as far as more inexpensive 90-day plans so right. we're, we're you know dabbling in some of those other social determinants but we want to get the food piece right so we have patients coming through um, so many of them are so appreciative and just in tears because they really have had to make some of those choices we talked about earlier, those trade-offs mm-hmm. that now I can have food for my kids and I can go ahead and pay that consumer's bill this month, etc. So, so yeah. far, um, our volume has increased steadily since we've been open because we launched housewide. Meaning, and you our,
1: opened last August, right? We did, and yeah.
3: we, we opened in a pilot with just a few subpopulations to get us rolling. Mm-hmm. It was really late fall. Um, by November 14th, we were launching all inpatients. We're getting asked the questions, and then we launched some of our key primary care outpatient settings: our internal medicine clinic, um, our medpeds clinic. Which is a family health center, so you can mm-hmm. be there from zero to 110 years old. Our geriatric clinic, our OBGYN clinics, those clinics where we're seeing um, 85, 90% Medicaid population clearly are our most vulnerable. And so we're seeing food insecurity rates upwards of 40, 45% at those clinics, which is more than I estimated. I estimated we would definitely be higher than the national average, right? but it's. It's probably twice as much as that I had originally estimated. How does, that,
1: how does that jive with some of the the data that's coming in through your
2: very, pilot? very similar, very, very similar? Um, you know, as as we've, you know, there's a lot going on in healthcare around this issue. We're working with several hospitals and clinics here locally. Right. Similar ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Similar reasons that you know, if we're going to have good community health and it's going to be managed right how do you do that when someone is food insecure and then how do you manage it that's and so very similar in some Mm -hmm. of the places the food insecurity rate is as high as 40 or 45 percent the lowest food insecurity rate that we found in any clinic that we've worked with in the five counties we serve is just under 20 percent yep wow so so i mean again you're talking about one in five 20 percent is one in five still a lot right it's Mm -hmm. a lot but when we look at the the food insecurity in Michigan, it's one in four, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so mm-hmm. it's it really is, or I guess it would be one in five for the whole state now, right? Mm-hmm. It's one in four in my in yeah. my uh, five counties, but one in five I think for the whole state. For the whole state. So right? you would expect in an average community mm-hmm. that's what it would be, but mm-hmm. it's still shocking. Mm-hmm. It's still shocking it how many people are food insecure, just walking past you every day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, so so yeah, it's um, really important and capturing this information so we can say definitively. Mm-hmm. In fact, forty to forty-five percent of the people coming to this clinic are food insecure. Wow. Absolutely. Well, that
1: helps inform the work of the food banks, right? And then the partnerships. Mm-hmm. And, and are we getting the right amount of food to the right areas that mm-hmm. uh, meeting the need of the people who are there? And when you look at a population that you guys are serving uh, through this, you know, a partnership mm-hmm. uh, that is 40 to 45 percent food insecure, then that tells me that we need to address resources into the right place at the right time. Absolutely. So I I, I got I to cut you off here, but I'm going to hold you both over for the next segment. And uh, we're going to come back. This is Food for Thought. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. He's Jerry Brisson. Elisa Craig is with us. She is the administrator for the Wellness and Population Health Management for <laughs> Hurley Medical Center.
0: You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan.
1: Welcome back. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're back here in the WJR studio with Alisa Craig, who is the administrator for the wellness and Population Health Management Program at Hurley Medical Center. And she's talking food insecurity, partnerships with food banks, particularly Food Bank of Eastern Michigan. Yes. And uh, Jerry Brisson is here as well. And Jerry, you have a pilot here working with Henry Ford Health Systems. And um, there's
2: a lot of similarities between the programs. Am I right? In terms of some of the learnings that we just talked about. And, yeah. and you know... It's one of the reasons why um, partnering with healthcare works for food banks is because. How much you care And I just want to say Listening to you now Reinforces that A hundred times over It is clear And obvious And if I could Somehow radio wave The facial expressions (laughs) I would do that Just how much you care About the people you serve And that is so important Because if we're going to Solve problems for real You've got to care About the people Who have the problems And really be listening to them And engaging them In this conversation And it's very clear How sensitive you've been in setting up your system so that it works for people right
3: and that that brings a really um interesting point that kind of these ancillary things we're learning as we go along here since we've only been doing this for about six months um we have patients coming in that they are just they're flabbergasted that their physician uh seems to really care about them. And it, it's one of those things that they they maybe have thought they cared about them before just because of other conversations. But for them to ask them the questions and have a conversation about when you go home, is there enough food to get you through the month? They cannot believe it. And so an interesting thing I brought up to our physician leadership is that trust even additional trust if they didn't already have it you know the patient physician trust the hurley medical center patient trust and really being that provider of choice for um, more reasons than we were before it's really a nice additional outcome that we're seeing and the patients really um, they they can't believe that it's a conversation they're having when they're there for a doctor's visit or sitting there recovering from an accident or something
2: and one of the things we've talked about quite often on the show is Addressing food security by bringing people to the table who win when this issue is solved. And we do believe that's one of the ways we're going to eventually have a food secure state is when everyone who wins when this is solved is engaged in solving it. Right. So, so we've talked a lot about how the patients are winning. Mm-hmm. How is the health system winning? You just gave one really good example sure, sure. in mm-hmm. physician trust. Mm-hmm. And being the system of choice, right? Those right. are two ways that healthcare mm-hmm. wins. So what are some other ways that healthcare wins mm-hmm. as you're solving this problem?
3: Right. Ideally, you know, I've been looking at data for a few years now that um, several of our chronic conditions um, they're going in the wrong direction as far as the management of them and length of stay in the hospital. Diabetes is the one that comes to mind first because our length of stay for diabetes have been in this linear progression upwards and. It's not because we don't have diabetes management programs. We have our own diabetes management program where patients get referred to. It's covered by insurance. It's covered by Medicare. Um, so what else is going on, right? So we're hoping that by addressing these social determinants like food insecurity, that we will be able to help with some of the metrics that healthcare really has to be concerned about. Length of stay readmissions um, ED utilization because another interesting thing we're discovering is someone might have been an inpatient at Hurley comes to the food pharmacy but they don't have a PCP And so then we can triage them back into one of our wonderful clinics. And so getting that relationship built with the PCP, decreasing ED utilization, decreasing readmissions, improving health outcomes, um, ultimately we want to see. It's going to take a while to really have that data and be able to show some of that. Um, but that's where, from the business side, obviously I do it personally for the human side of it, but business side and healthcare, um, we think we can really um, affect some of those metrics long term.
2: And I think it's really important to to illuminate these things because as the the president's budget just came out talking about what to do with snap right that's right. the supplemental nutrition assistance program that's used to be called food stamps and they they've got some ideas about how they might be able to make it cheaper but still provide food to everyone mm-hmm. well these experiences that you're illuminating in terms of how the right amount of food is actually driving health care costs down or potentially Mm -hmm. could are really important parts of this major legislation that's coming up this year and so it's all connected right we all want to do what's best for the community at the right cost in the right way. And so it's a challenge. We, we all have to face it. And I'm so grateful for your participation in this because it's going to feed this conversation going forward in really important ways.
3: Yeah. And that's what we hope too. We, we've we had conversations with some of our other county hospital partners that they might not necessarily feel like they need to open something similar, but how can they partner with us? And we, we already share in some patients. For instance, we share with Genesis Health System, our Cancer Institute. So we have some of those patients. We don't care if they're Genesis or Hurley. They're in that Cancer Institute, and if they're referred... Um, then, of course, you know, we will provide what we can for them. And I just want to give, like, one example. Um, we had a gentleman who was in a severe car accident, and then his jaw was wired shut, so he had his referral, and he came with his granny and was just in tears because he had already lost 20 pounds since wow. the accident. And he, you know, has a very, he has a job, he's a hard worker, but it's a very low-paying job, barely a living wage, as we right. all know, is a huge issue nationally. And our dietitian worked with him on how to blend the different produce and get some protein in there. We were able to get him, him some insure at a you know, drastically low rate for us. And he was so appreciative that the next week we had our monthly huge day where 6,000 pounds of food is dropped off by the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, so we need a lot of volunteers. He and another patient came back for two hours to volunteer and help us. And so it's that full circle of giving back, and it's a really amazing thing. So from a health standpoint, health cost standpoint, if this gentleman with the jaw wired shot had continued to lose weight, I mean, who knows what kind of complications could have come, and if he would have been readmitted to the hospital, all of those kinds of things. So there's this really great human story coming out of it, but also from the healthcare care cost perspective, we really think we can make a difference. And
2: that's all important as we look at legislation and how it affects people. Absolutely. It's really, really important stuff.
3: Now actually I'm looking at
2: Phil who's <laughs> chomping at the bet. That I mean, you know, your turn. So what what I
1: listen to you guys talk about this is really cool and very exciting. That you know it's a it's a concrete example of um of how different organizations come together, different companies, corporations, nonprofits to help solve a problem in a community. So what we want to do is multiply this all across the state, right? Mm. But here's the thing that strikes me, and I talked about it in the monologue. What you're not doing is robbing people of their choice. Correct. And you can't, we cannot Mm. do that. I love the stories because it illustrates to us that we're treating people with dignity. Absolutely. We're treating them with respect, and they're in turn not only giving back, but they're teaching us about the need and how we can help meet that need in a better, more efficient, more dignified way. Mm -hmm. That's what I like about what I'm listening to you guys Mm -hmm. talk.
2: And it's what makes it the story of the year, I understand?
3: Yeah, well, yes. Uh, we're really proud that our national health care consultant that we belong to, Advisory Board, um, chose our food pharmacy as their story of the year. And so there's a wonderful video that they came from Washington, D.C. and made um, about our initiative. We're really proud of that. Um, and it's just icing on the cake of how we can help patients, but then nationally, we want to be able to talk to other health systems, talk to, you know, um, in the state of Michigan, I know we talked about like i told phil i'd be more than willing to have hurley host some kind of summit where we bring together the health systems that are either thinking about working on these issues or already doing some initiatives like you're doing with henry Ford, jerry um and so to really share in what we're doing and lessons learned and right. really be able to you know help more and more people
1: so where can people f- see that video at
3: uh so we have it on um, our facebook hurley medical center facebook but the food bank council of michigan so kindly put it on their social media um those are the two main places and, and i know it's been shared by many other organizations but those are the, the two That's ways great. right now
1: now if folks want to find out more about the pharmacy and how they can volunteer from from the area that you're serving how would they do that
3: Sure. So the best thing to do would be to reach out directly um, to Suzanne, who's our food pharmacy coordinator, mm-hmm. and her number is 810-262-2301. And we, do, um, we could not run without volunteers. Right. Our volume is much higher than we originally anticipated, so volunteers are warmly accepted.
1: So, Alisa Craig, let me give you the last word here. What, what is it that you want people to walk away from and knowing about this program food pharmacy and the its impact on the the people you're serving
3: so i think uh, a couple things one is Our food pharmacy in Flint, Michigan, that Hurley Medical Center, um, we're very proud to have. It's just one of the bright lights in the many things that we're doing in our city. Mm. Our city often gets kind of a bum rap, um, and there's so many wonderful things that so many community partners are coming together to really improve the health of our community. Um, And then the second thing is that we really have patients who they don't want to take advantage of anything they they want to be well and they want Mm -hmm. to be successful in life and giving them what you mentioned before that choice and keeping their dignity we're hearing that every day from our patients and so we think that could give them that little push maybe and we've already seen it where someone only needed us for a couple weeks and they got a new job and then they're coming back to volunteer so that full circle story of what can be Come of a patient who's down on their luck, and that th- their health system actually helped them move their entire life on this different direction. Right. It. I got goosebumps right now. <laughs>
2: that, that's why. <laughs> so do I. So do I. That's oh wait, hard. you get the last word. Sorry. No. She's can't help it. <laughs> she's
1: Alisa Craig. She is the administrator for the Wellness and Population Health Program at Hurley Medical Center. Thank you so much for being our guest Thank on Thank you for Thought.
3: having me. Appreciate it.
1: Jerry and I will be right back to wrap up this edition of Food for Thought. You come back and be with us.
0: It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. Jerry, back to wrap up the uh,
1: conversation with Elisa Craig. Who's uh, leading the health and wellness program at Hurley Medical Center? You guys had some chemistry going on there, but but here's a thought that I came across um, when I was thinking about what you guys were talking about: a hundred and fifty-five billion dollars is spent annually on health-related diseases that you guys were talking about. Yeah, in humanists.
2: just in the United States, just in the United yeah. States. So so there's no question. Healthcare has an interest in this, but what I was really excited about having Elisa here is that it's clearly important to figure out the, how the healthcare system can win, but man, does she care about the people. Yeah, and, and that's so often the case. You know, one of the primary reasons we believe food security can be solved is because enough people want to see it end. And here's somebody that has a monetary interest and a medical system interest who can't help but talk about how she just wants people mm. not to have to struggle with this issue. And you know what? That's what our world is. So many of us are in that place of we're just tired of having to deal with this because it's wrong it whatever benefits there are we should not have hungry people in our community
1: right it's just unacceptable yeah and uh, I think she is certainly a person that is standing in the gap for her community
2: and even as she was getting ready to leave the studio she just wanted to keep talking about what we can do. What more can we do? How do we do more? And you know what? We're going to do more. And I'm pumped. You can tell. I'm pumped about it because that is what keeps me believing that we can make progress. And you know what? We're talking about these smaller pilots, but these smaller pilots are going to prove significant things that are going to enable this work in the future in big ways. It's very exciting, and I was so happy to have her here with us.
1: Well, I made the point during the show, and I made the point in the monologue about how careful we have to be about not taking away something that wasn't ours to give anyway, and that is choice. And just because you're poor doesn't mean you should have no options, right?
2: Oh, man. I mean, not only that, but— In regard to health care and food and and access. and to that point. What we've learned about food boxes since we've been doing them for 40 years, right? We know all about food boxes and how efficient it is to put a food box together and give it to people. And we know that that's done some awesome work. But we also know that there's some inadvertent waste that we've been cleaning up and doing better. Because if you give people choice, they know what their health conditions are. They know what their allergies are. They know what their kids like to eat. All those things are easier to manage in the home than they are for someone outside the home to manage, right? So our experience reflects exactly what you just said, Phil. When you give people choices, they tell you what works for them. And isn't that how systems should work? It is. And the test of leadership, you
1: know, we always say first is to define reality. But somewhere in that top five has got to be, the test of our leadership is going to be, can we create great choices for them?
2: Yep, totally right.
1: So here's a little food for thought, Jerry. In the monologue, I talked about inalienable, unalienable rights. Actually, it's two words, and they mean the same thing. You say tomato, I say Tomato inalienable means that it cannot be taken away. Frederick Douglass, the brilliant and prominent American abolitionist, Arthur and Orator, was born a slave. Douglass escaped at age 20 and went on to become a world-renowned anti-slavery activist. Douglass said this, I didn't know I was a slave until I found out I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. The lack of choice captures, detains, and imprisons people from becoming who and what they could. No bars are needed. In our efforts to serve, in our efforts to do well, we must refrain from the temptation to think we can create solutions without asking people about their needs. I learned this years ago when I traveled to remote islands in Lake Victoria and went village to village, assessing the needs of the people who lived there. At each place I stopped, I talked, listened, and learned about the people, their culture, and their, quote, felt needs. I could easily see their needs, mud huts, grass roof, no schools, no community health, sickness, no dispensary or doctor, no industry. Yet, it was important for the people to tell me what they felt they needed most. Robbing people of choice while arrogant can be well-intentioned, but is always unacceptable. Jerry and I thank you for listening. We hope you will choose to join us next week here on WJR or catch up with all of our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. Until
0: then, remember, food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state.